0: And welcome back to The Host Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. So a final and large uh, marvellous thank you to our host of The Hosting Podcast, Liz Earle. I've been using Liz Earle since I was about 14, 15, where my mum used to buy it from QVC and the mail order catalogue, which came from the Isle of Wight. Their products are extraordinary. The amount of effort that they put into everything is so wonderful and thoughtful. I mean, it's no surprise they've won over 130 awards and counting. If, like me, you want to get hooked on the Cleanse and Polish or any other amazing products, head over to Liz Earle.com to find your next obsession. And if anything catches your eye, hey, hey, some bright eye cream, plug in Laura15 at the checkout for an exclusive 15% discount. Thank you so much, Lizelle. Now, on to the podcast. Hi everyone just really quickly before we get started with the final episode of series one I'm really sad we're going to be taking a break before series two so I'm just going to recommend a podcast that I think that you should be listening to it's one of my favorites it's called Castaway and it's hosted by my friend Laura Whitmore and it's a bit like Gogglebox for podcasts it's amazing so have a little listen head on over to that it's Castaway by Laura Whitmore and we will see you soon for season two but enjoy the last episode thanks for listening. I'm Laura Jackson, broadcaster, interiors fanatic, food lover and founder of Host. And this is my new podcast. It's a running joke amongst friends that I am forever the host and never the hosted. 27 dresses, anyone? Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love rustling up a modern day ball and putting the fizz on ice. But this series, I'm handing over the apron strings instead and inviting some guests spanning food, travel and interiors to host me whether it be at their house, their local coffee spot or even in their favourite hotel room. So join us on the sofa for a cuppa or in the sitting room, lounge, dining room, bath, whatever you fancy, but obviously with a glass of something alcoholic. And of course, please bring some snacks. If you want to know all about their hosting secrets and dinner party dishes, their little black book for restaurants, their insider holiday spots or even where they shop for vintage interior finds. Basically, if you're an Osie Parker like me, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Hosting Laura Jackson, the host podcast. Hello, host listeners. Oh, I am so excited today because we are being hosted by Fiona Leahy. Now, if you've ever come across an event or tablescape image where your heart literally skips a beat, there is a 99.9% chance that the force behind it was Fiona Leahy. From Dita Von Teese and Marilyn Manson's wedding to private birthday dinners in the Moroccan desert and luxury fashion events in Los Angeles, Irish-born creative director and founder of her eponymous brand, Fiona Leahy Design, has curated parties and events all over the world. I think it's fair to say that Fiona has coined the phrase tablescape. From personalised snow globes for Louis Vuitton to hand-painted tablecloths for Gwyneth Paltrow, I mean, her back catalogue of amazing bespoke table designs are endless. When Fiona isn't designing events, she's traveling around the globe, picking up bespoke pieces to bring back for her tables at home. From handmade napkins in Peru to rattan candle stands from Colombia, she goes the extra mile, literally, to find something special. Fiona is hosting us today for coffee in her West London apartment, and I am really excited to see what it's like. I reckon there's loads of pink and lots of, like, maximalism stuff. Ooh, I can't wait to see.
1: I just remember that I've got my Christmas wreath up, but I would like to say that that's like super sustainable because I'm going to make it last all year long. Okay, absolutely. (laughs) I'm all about a dried
0: flower wreath. And I love like the lilac kind of door. Oh, my my goodness. Look at your house. This is amazing. It's like a pink
1: palace. Kind of. Yeah. It feels like the walls are quite... um, uh, venetian yeah they are they were um i got a scenic painter to do them and she we it wasn't venetian it's not venetian plaster i wanted something kind of less shiny but she did you know she rolled paint with newspapers she did all sorts of amazing things and then she smothered the walls at the end with beeswax which was so much fun i got involved in that i was like my next career is going to be a wall beeswax smotherer <laughs>
0: It is so beautiful Obviously people listening to this can't see it But I feel like I could be in Venice
1: That's the idea, yeah it's so Would you like serene. an Italian coffee? Yes, I would love an Italian coffee. <laughs> would you like a... What would you have in Venice if somebody offers you a coffee? Mm, some sort of a very fancy... Would you like a Florentine? Would yes, you like please. a nice biscuit? Oh, yeah, have you got some biscuit? Not really.
0: <laughs> do yeah. I? You don't look like the
1: sort of person that keeps biscuits. Do you know what? I kind of do. I'm obsessed with... Fortnum and Mason have these ginger snaps that I have all the time, but they're in the office because I kind of feel like, yeah. You're so
0: posh, Fiona. Who has Fortnum ginger biscuits? Uh, I've got custard creams at home. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, how long have you been here? Three years. And in that time, have you completely gutted it and redecorated?
1: No, I... The people that lived here before me had a kind of a Rasta obsession. So it was like every floor was a different colour. So the wood on this one was bright yellow and the skirting boards and all the wood. It was kind of amazing, though. I don't... Yellow is not my favourite colour. I don't know why. But honestly, when the sun hit, it was like waking up in honey. It was like golden. And it was kind of beautiful in some ways i no I don't regret changing it, but um, so this was yellow, and then downstairs was green, and then downstairs below that was red. but there was a lot of color and i'm I'm like I like color, but to live with like essentially those three colors, it was quite full on, so I stripped everything back and then kind of made it like a default setting of kind of plastery pink, which I think I also overdid It's really interesting how interiors is kind of
0: um. Evolutionized because I feel like it used to be quite calm colors, and every, all the houses used to be a similar palette. Whereas now, like you're talking about, people are saying, Oh, my living room's going to be green, and yeah. my kitchen is going to have tones of blue, and I'm going to do my bedroom in mustard. And we're a lot punchier with color these days. Yeah,
1: and it changes a lot more quickly mm. there was that interesting fact that i I heard recently where like in our parents time they would have redecorated maybe like twice in their lifetime in their adult lifetime and that way, i'm like uh i kind of end up redecorating i mean if i was left to my own devices and i didn't actually work or have any financial constraints i could redecorate like you know once a season
0: <laughs> but it's like uh, a pro- it's a process that i think because of your job we'll get to that i think you probably enjoy the process of looking for a sofa or looking for a vintage table or, um, you know, interesting pieces to put in the home. So it never ends, does it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Also, I guess the thing is that when you're in a creative job and you're constantly changing and evolving and you're trying to do something that's new and maybe not seen before, you kind of are on that, you have to be on that zeitgeist kind of thing. And then by the time you've done something in your home, you can be a little bit like, oh, Mm. kind of slightly over it yeah Um, where do you shop for your home bits and pieces then where are your kind of go-to places all over really most of it's vintage or old I'm kind of um I think I'm constantly trying to channel a 70s housewife in Palm Springs so like anything like my coffee or my dining table brass and glass This coffee table, like marble and glass, the cabinets I'm making are are brass. So I loved talisman and when they, and like that marble. What's talisman? Talisman is this amazing vintage, uh, this guy, Ken, he's a vintage dealer and he had a store in the um, New Kings Road that was like an emporium to 70s gorgeousness like it really was amazing just shut down so when he had a closing down sale i literally like the chair you're sitting on it's like pace from the 70s like peach velvet and and perspex lots of perspex and glass and brass pretty much yeah and then there's another place down the road here circus antiques yeah also like lots of great 70s stuff from him um retruvius i love retruvius i get loads of stuff from there like my bedside lamps and i'm kind of like that's my that's like my daily mail <laughs> or newsletter i'm like ooh, what's come up like what's just recently come up that i'm obsessed with so i kind of like older stuff and then i like do you ebay and do you kind of more
0: like because all the shops that you're talking about are kind of more of a curated edit but do you ever yeah. go into like your ardingly market oh or yeah, your- yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. I've gone there and I was supposed to go to Cléancourt just on Sunday in Paris, but then there was like strikes and da da saying What to what in Paris? Cléancourt is amazing. Cléancourt. I've never even heard of it. Oh that. yeah, maybe but it could be that I'm not pronouncing it right that's the Irish Cléancourt. <laughs> um, yeah, it's how you say it I think, but it's an amazing flea market. Like it's not even a flea market. It's like a flea town <gasps> that you go and you're oh yeah, it's amazing. You can oh. find like old French curtains or a chaise or you know you could still buy some seventy stuff it's amazing it's probably a blessing mercy in paris i love that's yeah. where my couch is from all my linen for my bed is from mercy but there's something really lovely about like a very great french linen as well
0: mm. i love old linen
1: actually whenever you yeah, go old. to kind of like
0: markets i always pick up some old linen and- yeah so 13 years ago you kind of made that transition from fashion to, I feel like you're so much more than a party planner. And I know that you're event designer kind of Mm. curator. Mm. Do you think it was kind of quite an easy transition to move over from fashion fashion to?
1: Yeah, I think they really inform each other. And I think what's really interesting now is seeing how many fashion designers are now doing tabletop Mm. homeware, but specifically tabletop. I think that in everybody's desire or there is that kind of sociological shift of people wanting to stay in more and definitely entertain more. And I think that when you have that attention to detail, that when you're attracted to what people are wearing, it's kind of now shifted to, like the way we are, which is more attracted to nearly what's on the table. Like I'm more likely to go out and buy an incredible tablecloth and napkins, a hundred percent. I mean, I still like a nice dress clearly, but it's like, I will, like when I came back from Paris, it was like literally like suitcase of raffia. When I came back from Peru, it was like tablecloths. Oh, I have to show you my Peruvian tablecloth. Yes, please. But um, like, I just like so much stuff. And it's, um, But I think if you have that, I think, you know, fashion interiors, it's a creative eye. And I think just the way things have shifted, there's maybe more interest right now in what we're wearing on our tables, what our tables are wearing. I feel like you're
0: massively the reason for that, though, because 100 percent, like I remember years ago, I always used to look at the stuff that you do. It's like and it's so elevated. And I think that it's really hard. I think it's easy for people to be inspired, but it's very difficult for people to recreate because what you do is so bespoke mm. so when you work for clients and you get like incredible things made for the tabletop yeah. that just like from plates and ceramics to candles to embroidery like you have definitely paved the way and oh. i think i feel like you could own the word tablescape i feel
1: oh, like it's your word tm do you not see the tm at the end of it it's like TMFLD. Yeah. no i'm kidding it <laughs> should be though it should be i mean i own the world word, word ma- matchmalism. 100 uh, yeah. 150 But actually do you know what it's so funny I love I love words and in fact I am starting my online shop and it's got a play on words you'll see when it when it happens but I love words so much I loved doing that um I loved the idea of maximalism always matching the way I was doing it so I called it matchimalism and then there's been like all these articles and I was like oh my god it's hit the mainstream it's a word you know, that's it's kind so of exciting. Good. Yeah. So
0: you, I mean, you started out cause you did Adita Fontys' wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what she called you, were you a fr- friends we before? Were, yeah.
1: So basically I was working at Garrard, the jewellers, and I was kind of a creative megalomaniac. I was assistant creative director and I was designing windows and helping design jewellery. And we were even designing like jewel swimwear. It was the dream job um, with Jade. And, um, I then started doing all the parties. I did Jade's 30th birthday, which was a pajama party in Claridge's. Yeah, Jagger, yep. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. Like, I got Playboy to sponsor all the, like, robes, underwear, cigars... I just, I was kind of like, you know, it's a really good job for a creative hustler. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of go, oh, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's call in this. So we did a pajama party in Claridge's, which was one of the best parties ever in the universe, even still. And um, then I was like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. And then I started doing all the parties in Goward. And uh, it's doing parties is a really great way of extending your desires without actually having to do it yourself you know you're you're calling it in but i could never have Gigi Vontis perform in my living room in a martini glass yeah. so best to get a client or somebody to 100%. call it you know to to pay for it or to yeah, agree to right it. their wallet yeah exactly Excellent. yeah so i just found that doing events was a really great way of um Manifesting kind of some crazy ideas and desires Still is in a way So I hired Dita to do her martini glass act in the store Took her to a Rolling Stones concert And we became like best friends Yeah so we went on holidays together. She was doing the wedding for Benedict Taschen, who owns Taschen, and um, his bride had hired Dita as like, which is kind of cool in at your own wedding to show yourself up and be like, here's the most beautiful burlesque performer, <laughs> da da. So glass. Uh, yeah, and then Manson had had. Uh, proposed and then it turned out they were getting married in Ireland in Tipperary near where I grew up and then Dita was like why don't you do it and I was like "Ooh, that's a bit of a behavioral stretch and then I was like okay Did it. And then um, it was amazing. I commissioned. That was a real, like it was my, I was like, okay, let's get everything Irish. Let's do like Irish um, linens. Let's do Waterford crystal. And so that's the thing, I guess, about the way I work. I always like to make it authentic to where I'm doing it. You know, it's like. I like using local craftspeople, artisans, whatever is around, and them doing my twist on it. So yeah, so that was amazing. And it was, I could see then that it was a real creative exercise. And also, you know, I grew up in a hotel. My mother still has a bed and breakfast, I think, and I waitressed for years when I moved to New York. And I think my karma is that I just love laying tables. I'm Mm. always laying a table. I've been laying tables since I was like 10 in our bed and breakfast. Yeah. you know mm-hmm. so um but now I'm doing it in a nicer way just much better cutlery <laughs> sorry mom <laughs> um, what's been like your biggest event in terms of kind of
0: budget and creativity where you've been literally allowed to just run riot
1: so one of my first events what was amazing about doing the job with Dita is that then I had a piece and it was high profile so it was kind of like ta-ding! You know, off you go. And so I had a piece in um, Sunday Time Style. The Queen of Doha saw that, Sheikha Moza, who's got insane taste. And um, she flew me over to Doha um, to do a big wedding for her daughter and I was, it was just when Marie Antoinette had come out, Sophia Coppola, and I was obsessed. And so again, I was like, let's do Marie Antoinette. Let's put bustles on all the chairs. We had the costume makers for Marie Antoinette do all of the fans, like no hand-eyed fans. We had um, perfumes in golden lockets. Yeah, it was amazing. Albino peacocks. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't even know. Like, I was kind of like, I felt like I was living in a movie. I kind of was. I probably still am.
0: (laughs) I mean, how, but how do you, like, for me, I'm thinking about the logistics of that. So if you're in Doha, how do you get everything? I mean, do you
1: have a team? Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge team. Like, yeah, it takes so much work. It's like, that's the thing that it's like, it's staggering to me, even still, that when you're even doing like a table setting for six people, sometimes the amount of work... When you're making things, especially mm. because I guess that's what sets what I do apart. A lot of stuff is bespoke and mm. a lot of stuff is made specifically for that. So, yeah, huge team. Yeah. Even at a hairdresser blow drying um, ostrich feathers, no joke, because we were dying them. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know, this makes me sound really... Um, I'm really down to earth, you know. Um, <laughs> you have got a amazing biscuits, though, Fiona. <laughs> I mean, occasionally, yeah.
0: <laughs> what, um, what's the best concept, then, that you've ever done? So, I mean, Marie, Marie Antoinette sounds amazing, but
1: is there The best that beats that? concept? Um, you know what? I do, I do have my favourites, and they're usually... Like I did... A, I mean, they're sometimes the smaller things. Um, you know, I did an amazing party where we had, like... Like huge mirror balls in the pool in Montenegro. And that was really kind of when we had like underwater divers securing them. And that was kind of amazing. But t- um, because I'm so down to earth, I just like the smaller things. No, but the, I, we did a really lovely dinner. It's just one of my favorites with um, Racille and Aquazora. And it was literally like the most beautiful acidy um, floral. And we did it on the balcony or the um, terrace at 5 Hartford Street. And it was all, it was print on print, but it was so kind of nearly like Lily Pulitzer meets Liberty. It was just like really vibrant and bright and beautiful. And it just even now when I look at pictures of it, I'm like, oh, that's so pretty. Um, and so I, I have so many favorites. It's really hard to say. I mean um everything you do though like it's everything's been everything is thought
0: about from Mm. the cutlery to the crockery to the tablecloth to the linen and you know that's why everything that you do is so beautiful because your eye for detail is Mm. insane
1: I feel like it's more of a lifestyle than a job for you because it just Yeah, it is a lifestyle for sure. It's like a hundred percent it like there's no cut off between work and pleasure. In mm. fact, when work is going really amazingly, like when I was just in Paris and doing um the event for the luxury collection of Mercedes Salazar. I'm so like, I'm so happy. I'm just like, there's like all this raffia placemats and Mm. raffia candlesticks. And I'm genuinely in my flow. I'm like, oh my God, you know, and, um, and then bringing back pieces and going to Mercy and finding great linens and stuff. I Mm. don't know. It's just, it is a lifestyle, I guess. Also because it kind of, it, it pairs so, I'm obsessed with food like, I love food so much. Mm. So I think all of the... And music. And I think all of those things, it's not just a visual thing. It's, like, how all of those sensory elements inform each other. Yeah,
0: you know? yeah. I mean, if you're doing a tablescape on a budget, yeah, where would you start? Like, if we're just setting a... We're hosting some friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't got a lot of money. What are yeah. some tips and tricks?
1: I think, you know, also... What I think is amazing right now is that the interest in tabletop and tableware is that there are some incredible, my favorite winter tablecloth this year came from H&M. It's like a forest green. I think it was like 15 pounds. Somebody told me about it. They used it at a dinner party. I then used it. And then somebody else saw it on my, and like, I was like, am I like a HM and m tablecloth influencer? I think so. Yes. But it was, but we all bought this tablecloth that then sold out. It was like really inexpensive. But the perfect shade of green. Um, So I would say completely 100% go to Zara Home or H&M Home. They have amazing things. Mm -hmm. I also love um, using um, random more Vlisco, like from African Dutch Wax. And the cloth shop going and finding, I mean, the base for me is the table. So it's the tablecloth or whatever the table is. Um, But I think that's kind of your canvas. Yeah. So I don't think it needs to be necessarily expensive. And you know what a tablecloth, like if you go to the cloth shop and you buy an amazing, you know, vintage chintzy print, you don't really have to hem it and stuff. You just like cut it and go I mean yeah. if you if you've got a sewing machine but then that's a bit too that's a bit too detailed um I think flea markets and like Portobello Road you can find some great napkins
0: someone told me the other day about buying old French linen sheets on eBay and cutting them and just up cut, cutting them up using them as either like napkins or dyeing them yeah and you know you can get like a three pound yeah to five pound dye and whacking it in your exactly. washing
1: machine yeah so i've bought loads of old french napkins on ebay mm-hmm. love that of course etsy ebay those are all great yeah. um the main thing is, I guess it's like the sort of advice like a stylist would give you. I think to have a table wardrobe, you don't need to start from scratch every single time. Like I have my things like my bud vases and my candlesticks that I've maybe had for like some of them, what, 10, 15 years. There was a time when I used to use like old cruet sets. So like that you'd get salt, like vinegar and oil in and then I would just use them for flowers. So I always just have things my my table wardrobe that I just roll out and I'll change certain elements like maybe a napkin maybe the tablecloth but and always the candles the flowers obviously like I'm not afraid to use the same candlesticks and the same vases day in day out mm-hmm. those are kind of your basics right it's like yeah. your jeans and your t-shirt of the yeah. table and so the thing is that I think with every dinner or every gathering you don't need to go buying every single thing from scratch I think the thing is that you switch it up with candle colours and mm. flowers right yeah. And then if you're feeling like you really want to do that, you get a different tablecloth or some great napkins. I love the idea of a table wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, me too. When I grow up, I'm going to have a table wardrobe pantry thingy. <laughs> we'll have to
0: go down in a bit. To, yeah. I mean, I, I saw like a cupboard full of linens. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, my God, yeah. it's
1: like a magnetic pull dragging yeah. me there. Disclaimer, I do the do this for work. So it's like. Yeah, that's you know. true. Yeah. So do you
0: have somewhere else? like all over the world that your people that you can go to so say you've got an event in New York you've, yeah, you just yeah. said you've got your embroidery guy yeah. and you've got your linen guy Is that do you have that all over the world like a black book I uh, guess only in people. major
1: cities I mean the thing is you try and find people locally because it makes more sense it's just easier but you know if you're doing something in like Ulaanbaatar you might not find oh, where like, is that in Mongolia okay <laughs> you might not find a uh well that's a, in Portugal <laughs> <laughs> and then I just end up I mean actually I've always thought it would be an amazing thing to do a book or some sort of something called strange cargo on like the things that we bring in and out of places. We have to talk about this
0: because you, um, obviously you travel all around the world for work. And whenever I speak to you that you've come back from somewhere, You're a bit like, I always leave a third of my suitcase empty to bring back. Oh,
1: a third. I I went to Peru with a completely empty suitcase. And then I still, I mean, even yesterday on the Eurostar, it was so funny. I bumped into Margot Henderson, who was carrying a huge thing of cinnamon sticks that somebody had brought back for her in Paris. And like, I was bringing a huge thing of raffia. And then she had like her knives and her like cinnamon sticks. And we were joking going, you know what, the most fascinating thing is what are people carrying? Like ants from place
0: to place. So you just went to Peru on the mm, Belmont, Belmont
1: train. Belmont, yeah. Oh my I mean, God. that looked really it was shabby. the best it? trip of my life. Oh, it was, yeah. looked insane. Yeah. You go on like the Orient Express and then there's the Andean Explorer and then you go like hiking to, you know, I did Machu Picchu. And then of course, the, you know, the, what I didn't realise was the like the volume of what they actually farm and grow you know have alpaca wool and llama wool and all of these incredible like they just make so much it's amazing
0: so Vigilio Martinez is um the man that owns um the restaurant Lima yeah and he has Uh, in London and then yes he has central yeah. in Lima Mil- in Peru. Yeah. yeah. And he does like an amazing altitude menu where yeah. he talks you through the altitude in in Machu Picchu in in, yeah. in Peru through yeah. his food. Yeah.
1: Amazing. Yeah. So, did you eat there? Yeah. I went to Mill. I went on an expedition. I couldn't get a table for love of money. Could not get a table at all. But I do believe in manifestation. Sounds so like new. Age. I did pray. I honestly did. I was like, I really was like, I really want to eat here. I put it on my Instagram. People tried to help me. And then I was like, Sorry, you prayed for a table at a restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I put it out there to the universe. If you don't put it out there, you might not. Like, I was like, I really would like to manifest a table. And I did. (laughs) You got it. Yes. Yeah. So I went and my my travel partner who I was with was ill. She had food poisoning. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go and see if I can get in on my own. But you do have to hike up to it. The altitude's quite high. And I had an amazing Belmont um, tour guide with me who was just like, I don't really speak very good Spanish. So she was like, oh, and she just explained that I was obsessed and that I watched The Chef's Table, which I had, yeah. which was the whole episode. And I was like, I just really want to make this happen for myself. And so they were like, we'll make an exception and you can have a table for one because we've got a group and, dah, 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 and so it'll work out. So I went in like my hiking gear, like my... Uh, Era's all in one and my hiking boots and my notebook and sat down and had like a whale of a time and I also forgot really handy tip when you're eating at high altitude and drinking because I was like okay yeah sure of course I'll have the pairing wines you know you drink two glasses I had three glasses of wine why not Um, and uh, I was so merry it was because it's like drinking on a plane. I didn't even think of that. I was like, this is, but it was so much fun. But it's really, you know, it is like being in the most beautiful, immersive experience and everything is so well considered and everything is from there. That it's like, it's the ultimate field to table experience, yeah. I think, in the world. So yeah. obviously you're obsessed with doing a Peruvian dinner <laughs> party now. I think it's going to have to happen, yeah. But I need to get Virgilio to come and cook. Yeah. Oh, you have to. <laughs> yeah. It goes to
0: show though. Even if you don't get a table or you don't get it, just try again.
1: Turn up, be present. I think just show up. I think if I had taken no for an answer, it would have been really just, you know, you know, sad. And then I did. I And, you know, I Instagrammed it and then I got a message from him going, I'm so happy that you made the pilgrimage and that you did it. And I was like, yeah, that was it was really part of my, I, I just really needed to be there. In, like I, I'd watched the episodes and I was like, oh, I have to I have to make it happen. And it was so amazing. And you know when you just have those like life highlights where you just know that you're eating the most incredible. I still remember it actually. There's like there was a berry jam with like a salty butter and a cornbread that I just still go, Wow. I would love I just wish I could make that. I bought the cookbook though, so let's see. You bought all the merch. And all the books, all the coffee to recreate the coffee at home. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: so when you were there, I mean Well, this is a general question, I suppose. Whenever you're going on holiday, you're going somewhere, do you try and source out kind of local craftsmen and places to shop and markets to visit before you go? Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So when I was in Cusco, I knew there was a big craft market and uh, went there and that was amazing. Like that's where I got like the sacks of Palo Santo. What was amazing is they had all these amazing Peruvian women in gorgeous, mm. like their clothes are incredible. Yeah. And they were selling all of these like grasses and lichen and mosses. And I was like, oh my God, what is all of this for? But they, they're really crafty. Like people are always like knitting and weaving. And I was just like, what? I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Where did, I did you also, find out about the market though? So where do you I like look I found out for about places? the market online. I, You know what? I also tap what you've got to do. Um, it's like kind of finding, like, it's like taking financial advice from like someone good with money or relationship advice, someone who's in a really great relationship, go find someone who's been to Peru and done it really well. So that's what I did. I found, any of my friends that were had done that whole trip and that have really good taste yeah. and that are explorers and adventurers and you take them out for dinner and you get a whole list. So I did that with three different people. Then I found this, which is one of the things I didn't manage to do because it was closed for Christmas, but there is like this um, collective of alpaca farmers, female alpaca farmers. And apparently they like rub oil into the alpaca's feet and they only like comb the excess hair and they weave from the excess hair and I was like it's kind of in my mind that as a retirement plan I'd like to like be on an alpaca collective in Peru so I really wanted to go there and I badgered them but they were closed so I couldn't go there but I do do have a list of um yeah I I always find people to badger. (laughs) So where do you get your inspiration from is it kind of
0: magazines or blogs or friends or Instagram because obviously you travel around the world for work where do you decide to go on holiday?
1: You know, it's kind of based on, I guess it's based on what I'm kind of obsessed with. I choose to go on holidays based on how I want to feel. That's interesting. Yeah. Like... I I feel like you just know, like, if I want to really, like, I love Mexico so much. Mm. And if I feel like I really want to have a great time and drink margaritas and be inspired, I'll go to Mexico for sure. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's the
0: most amazing place. I've been five times. Have you? Yeah. And I get, I've got like a whole list and I get so excited because it's just so inspiring, the architecture, the buildings, the art, the, the creativity, the food is fantastic. and
1: Also the energy, I think all it's this, just the yeah. energy.
0: So it's all about effort and being bothered, isn't it, with things? Yeah. It's all about just kind of going that extra mile.
1: Well, I think it's also, I think if you're inquisitive by nature, which is why we kind of do the things we do, we're mm. really... What was it Anthony Bourdain said? He was like, he described himself, oh yeah, as an enthusiast. If you're just enthusiastic, like if I read or hear about or even experience like the perfect Cloudberry jam, I'm like, I want everybody to try it. I want everybody to know about it. I want everyone to know I've had it. And mm-hmm. so it's just a, ty- it's a, it's a type of person, I think. And yeah. then you go, and I get such a kick out of being like, oh, there's a basket weaver up the side of a mountain. Let's go and like have a, a strong coffee hike up and find them and i don't know that's just like yeah that's what i love oh, yeah. i love that so much
0: he's amazing i always remember his quote that's like your body isn't a temple it's a roller coaster take it for a ride oh
1: wow i love that but also yeah. i'm like
0: sometimes you need your body to be a
1: temple so. yeah yeah when you're sleeping i guess <laughs>
0: can we look at your um Wardrobe, your table yeah. wardrobe. Yeah, do you want right? to? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm desperate to. Yeah, to I want um, to know where everything's from. Oh my god! Everyone's
0: probably taking notes, listening to this.
1: Um, yeah, how many hours do we have? Ten hours. I know. Right, no, okay, okay, kidding, let's go. I'm kidding, I'm <sighs> kidding. Look at this wardrobe.
0: This is—is yeah. is this all the, for table stuff? Yeah. Everything. Oh uh, my god. So this
1: is all linens. <gasps> um, oh my. Gosh. Oh uh, my. Okay, these are really old. These are from. I got them in a flea market in LA how many variations have we got of napkins here like 1, 2,
0: 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 there's probably about 50 variations of napkins there
1: yeah and most of them are actually at work these are my new obsession these fringed Once Milano ones I love those
0: Once Milano I've got some epic things and then these
1: I love these are from Heather Taylor Home in LA which was a discovery that I made when I was last there oh pinstriped embroidered pinstripe this is is quite you isn't it yeah I like those they're nice yeah Oh, I, I love so that you've got, do you know, a bandana? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did a whole bandana tablescape at one point for 4th of July. So that's, this is a lovely vintage one. Look at this. I mean, you know, another trick is to get tea towels and use them as napkins. Oh, that's, Ooh, what I've that's also a done. good idea. Yeah. So this is like, would we say this is the linen? This so this is the is linen, linen closet. And then yeah. you have tablecloths down here, a whole oh my array. Gosh. These this is the thing real. I'm going to be doing a lot of this summer, which is kind of like... Um, Czech. I love Czech.
0: Okay, so yeah. we all need to look out for kind of Czech and
1: gingham. Yeah. Love. The cloth shop have got, always got yeah. some nice... Yeah. Then in here we have candlesticks, cutlery. <gasps> like all of these little um, miniature candlesticks. But, oh yeah, here's my snake plate, which I'm obsessed with, from Parabaccini. Oh, that looks like a Gucci plate. Yeah, it does, right? Wow. And then, look, whenever I go away... <gasps> this was I bought this from the restaurant oh, So you Georgia wh- whenever
0: you go to a restaurant you get i try like, to if it's a really... if it's an iconic place
1: I honestly cannot believe how much stuff that you've got i 'm obsessed with these candles as well for scent espelma because I hate buying scented candles and throwing away the vessel so i the vessel from them and then refill with these little things that you just oh, put in. Oh, where is which that? Is, That's a really good sustainable idea. Totally, yeah. So hang on, where are these from? Um, from a Spelma. This is a smoky tea candle. It smells delicious. Yeah. Do you know what else I'm doing? Is getting a ribbon a ribbon wardrobe. I'm creating a ribbon wall in the office. Where do you get your ribbon from? I get it from either, I mean, I get it from the flower market, from Vivi Rulio, from... Secret suppliers up north who sell wholesale. um, Because sometimes
0: that's the trick, isn't it? Because you don't always want to invest in a whole roll of ribbon, but actually... It does work out cheaper, so you're best maybe looking on like online and then buying a bigger roll of ribbon and using it through the year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have some huge rolls of ribbon, a whole box that I use, and I just take them out. And then what I do now is I put all of the scraps, because I keep my ribbon, when I unwrap crackers or whatever, keep it and I put them in pickle jars. That's what's happening in the studio. And then whenever I have to wrap a present or make a cracker or do whatever, I just pull out some you know yeah. so because ribbon can be expensive nice ribbons expensive i like t- that you recycle a lot of things like you were
0: saying just having a table wardrobe and being more sustainable about stuff yeah. if you get any presents that you keep keep the the ribbon and the wrapping yeah. i think those kind of like that is quite useful and you are the queen of crackers oh, yes. are you yeah I think so. I, I think I've made you, like a gazillion. Yeah. Well, you were telling me, what was it, in February? You were like, I'm already planning the ribbons um, for my Christmas crackers in February. And I'm oh. saving toilet roll
1: holders in February to make crackers. Yeah, I'm already planning my next year's crackers. But I think what, what you really want to make happen is that things make sense and that they're wanted you don't want waste
0: yeah that's very true
1: yeah okay finally we
0: normally ask people their favorite place for lunch and brunch and dinner but i feel like all the listeners and me included would rather have your maybe three best places to shop for
1: tablescape okay yeah so can be any anywhere anywhere anywhere, all around the world Okay, so I love Mercy in Paris for linens. They do really beautiful coloured linens um, and really great tabletop stuff. Um, some of it really inexpensive. So that's one of my go-tos. Um, I love Somertal and Bishop. That's great. Really beautiful linens and cutlery and bud vases. Um, Liberty as well. I find their homewares a department really inspiring. Um Oh, my God, there's so many. Vivi Rulio for ribbon, I love. And then flowers are a huge part of what I do as well. So really, a lot of it will start with a florist, like Scarlet and Violet is just down the road from here. And I'm constantly coming back with arm loads of, you know, yesterday it was like mimosa and tulips. Um, so, yeah, um, there are so many. And then flea markets and Portobello Road for, you know, random collections, you know, you never know where you might find an old set of bamboo cutlery. Always be looking, basically. Yeah, always look um, and always remain open to where things can come from, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. I just want to go home and lay a table now. Yeah, or we can do one now. Okay, great.
0: (laughs) This has been hosting Laura Jackson, the host podcast. If you liked it, I really hope you did. Please rate and review. But most importantly, subscribe and tell all of your friends as well.